I believe that back when I was a younger ranger, I saw myself what many would refer to as a Bigfoot. I was currently working as a seasonal ranger for the Forest Service. I was assigned to patrol the Tombaji River, which is in Pickens County. Now, normally, this kind of thing you keep hush-hush about, but talking about it more or less just kind of helps ground in the reality of it all. I just feel like this tremendous weight on my shoulders if I don't share it. So first, let me give you some background information on myself. According to friends, family, and fellow rangers, I am an overly cautious person. Other rangers could be caught speeding while patrolling the routes or even not wearing all their proper equipment. Even though they would get away with taking shortcuts, I'm not that kind of person though. Every time I go to work, I bring everything I need and make sure I have double. But even being overly cautious was one thing. This still did not prepare me for what I saw that day. That morning I woke up to do the usual routine making my coffee, eating breakfast before heading out on a long ride. It was nice weather. Being in camping clothing was not a big deal. I always go through all these different scenarios in my head before going off into the field. What if I catch somebody fishing without a license? What if there's an accident on the water and somebody needs help? What if somebody is trying to steal something? If it's something small, we can handle it. But anything major, more than one person, we call for backup. I am working with another ranger by the name of Kelly, and I told them it would be a few minutes before my ride showed up, so we started out patrolling. We make our way through the first two launch ramps without any issues. That's when something moves alongside the river. I asked him if he saw that. We're about 80 yards away from where we were and there's this large figure standing at the edge of the embankment down into the water. It didn't appear to be like a normal person. Its head and body looked three times the size, and it had this rustic reddish-brown fur. The closer we got, though, the more we could realize it was not a person. It quickly turned to face us as it heard us approaching. That's when we could see that it had horns on its head, glowing eyes, this thing looked like some sort of hairy demon. It did not make a sound, though, and took off like a flash across the bank, off into the timber. I about nearly poot my pants, and Kelly starts asking frantically behind me, What? What is it? What did you see? And I just remember telling him, I'm not sure. We need to find out. Just as we're getting ready to check things out, Rangers with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement show up, asking us what we saw. There was something in those woods with us that day, but it wasn't until the next day when I finally got a chance to go back and check things out, I realized how close I actually came to death. I spoke to some of the rangers once I got off work. They told me what had happened. All the other rangers were called away from their posts and had been working tirelessly for hours trying to find whatever this thing or creature was that had attacked several people. Several. How many people did this thing attack? All my friends could tell you is that I was super quiet for the rest of the week and had some pretty weird things going on.
like never wanting to be in the woods and always having my gun at the ready, seemingly over-paranoid. I know that whatever that was, it was real, and I can never forget what I saw that day on the riverbank. What I am about to tell all of you is very real. It happened in the fall of 2003 and has left a mark on me ever since. It was a Friday, and the only reason I remember it was a Friday is because I used to have friends over during that particular time on Friday evenings. We used to play video games and other things normal typical teenage boys used to do, but that's neither here nor there. My friends and I were immensely interested in the paranormal, and during times of boredom or times of spontaneous adventure, we liked to wander around the woods behind my mom's house, which is still standing to this very day. These woods were typical woods, dark, forbidden, and creepy at night. Nothing was ever expected to be seen or heard in these woods. We just liked to scare ourselves. It was fun fun until after exiting the woods on that particular Friday night in the fall of 2003. As we were walking away from the woods, we saw a dark figure walking in the darkness of a shadow casted by a telephone pole. Not until the figure moved out of the shadow did we see that it wasn't just a random man walking around at midnight on a Friday night. It was something else. This creature was walking as fast as any human could run. Its giant step span was a dead giveaway. This was not a human. Once we noticed that it was something other than a fellow man or any animal that we've ever seen, we sprinted all the way back to my mom's house. That was the first and last time I ever seen this creature, but it was not my last encounter with it. That is for another time, though. Thank you and good night. Part 2 my second encounter with Bigfoot was hard to tell. This time around it was 2006, and this time around it was in the pitch blackness of the woods. Three of us daringly set out to experience the presence of Bigfoot once again. This was not our first time back in the woods since the first meeting, nor was it the first time looking for the creature again. Our group started out as five, but as soon as we hit the woods, too cowardly bowed out. We entered the woods with a flashlight and nothing more. It was the middle of the summer and very dark inside the woods due to the thickness of the brush. Walking rather cautiously for about 20 minutes, we reached deeper and deeper into the woods. Once we came upon a small stream within the woods, we heard something else among us. A loud crash sounded directly in front of us terrified that we had been spotted by whatever was with us in the woods. We all immediately whispered to turn the flashlight off. Standing there in the dark, we heard the noise again. A very loud crash. The sound of something metal hitting something else metal. A very odd sound for it being heard in the middle of the woods. After about a minute of these loud crashes, the worst thing happened. It got quiet. It was so horrifying standing there in the middle of the woods in the dark, silent, standing so very close to this beast. The dead giveaway that it wasn't a human was the piercing low growl it emitted after another minute of silence. 
We could feel the breath of this creature as it snarled at us. We were that close. To say that we ran would be an understatement. Totally disregarding the trail, we all split up escaping to the outside. Once we were out of the woods, we did not look back. We continued to run all the way home. This was my last encounter with the fiend, whatever it may have been. For the sake of classification, it matched very well with other Bigfoot descriptions, so I decided to call it Bigfoot. As I've said before, the beast in the first encounter could have been entirely different, but the events were so similar. In my mind, it was the same. I have been back to those woods many, many times after this encounter, and still have yet to experience anything else. Occasionally we hear noises, but nothing significant enough to call an encounter. Thank you and good night. The roar of my diesel engine echoed through the night as I barreled down the asphalt, my eyes fixated on the desolate ribbon of road ahead. I was Jack, a seasoned trucker who had seen his fair share of highways, but there was one stretch that had always seemed like a tail spun to spook the newcomers the infamous Highway of Shadows. I'd heard stories of ghostly apparitions, unexplainable vanishings, and sinister whispers that haunted anyone foolish enough to traverse its path. But until that night, I had remained a skeptic, shrugging off the tales as nothing more than trucker folklore. My rig rumbled along, tires humming beneath me, as the radio played a medley of classic rock hits. I chuckled to myself, shaking my head at the thought of such superstitions. But then the radio crackled, the music giving way to an unsettling chorus of whispers and distorted voices that chilled my spine. I frowned and fiddled with a dial, trying to restore the normal broadcast. The voices seemed to murmur words I couldn't quite decipher, a sinister undercurrent that sent shivers down my arms. As if the radio weren't enough, my headlights began to flicker, casting fleeting shadows that danced along the edges of the road. My grip on the wheel tightened and I forced myself to take a deep breath, attributing the odd occurrences to fatigue and a vivid imagination. That's when I saw a dark, imposing figure standing dead center in my lane. My foot instinctively moved to the brake pedal, but I hesitated, squinting through the windshield at the impossible sight. The creature before me was unlike anything I'd ever encountered. It stood tall and massive, its body covered in coarse, matted fur that seemed to ripple with every gust of wind. This wasn't just any creature. It was as though a power-lifting Bigfoot had emerged from the depths of my worst nightmares. Towering at a staggering twelve feet, its shoulders were hunched with muscle, and its limbs were thick and gnarled like ancient tree trunks. I felt a tremor of fear ripple through my body as I stared at the creature's otherworldly form. My heart raced, and I slammed my foot on the brake pedal, bringing my rig to a screeching halt just a few yards away from the monstrous being. The creature turned its head toward me, and that's when I saw them its eyes. They glowed a hellish shade of red, like burning coals in the dead of night. My breath caught in my throat as I realized I was face to face with something not of this world. 
Before I could fully process what was happening, the creature let out a roar that shook the very ground beneath me, a sound that seemed to vibrate in my bones. It was a roar that rivaled the thunder of an approaching storm, and in that moment I felt a primal fear like I had never known before. The creature's mouth opened wide, revealing a set of wolf-like fangs that gleamed in the moonlight, dripping with some sort of viscous fluid. Instinct and terror kicked in simultaneously. I slammed my hand onto the horn, unleashing a cacophony of blaring sound as I desperately hoped to startle the creature away. It turned its gaze toward me, those red eyes boring into my soul, and then it moved a sudden, explosive burst of motion that defied its immense size. It lunged toward my truck, its massive arms outstretched, and I felt the vehicle shudder as its fingers scraped against the metal. Adrenaline surged through my veins as I fumbled for the ignition, the engine roaring to life. I stomped on the accelerator, tires spinning on the asphalt as I aimed to drive over the creature. But it was too quick, too massive, and my truck's front end only narrowly missed it. The creature roared again, a deafening sound that reverberated in my eardrums, and I felt its hot breath against my window as it tried to reach inside. With a desperate surge of power, I managed to pull away, tires screeching as I left the creature in my dust. I peered into the rearview mirror, heart pounding as I watched the massive form grow smaller and smaller until it vanished into the darkness. The road ahead stretched on, empty and eerie, and my hands trembled on the wheel. What had I just encountered? My skepticism had been shattered in an instant, replaced by a chilling awareness of the supernatural. The radio was silent now, the whispers gone, but the echoes of that monstrous roar still echoed in my mind. I knew one thing for certain, whatever that creature was, it was not bound by the laws of our reality. Not sure if this is the ideal place for this story, but I'll go for it anyway. In the late 90s, I went on a yowie hunt with a group of cryptozoologists in the Blue Mountains just west of Sydney, Australia. The yowie is the Australian version of Bigfoot, Yeti, etc. I was just an undergrad anthropology student who had stumbled across this group online ended up corresponding with the organizer and decided to tag along. I'm a skeptic by nature and kind of wanted to see whether these guys were just crackpots. For anyone who's not been there, it's very mountainous terrain covered in thick bush. Just a maze of canyons, ridges, cliffs, creeks, waterfalls, etc. A few of the places we went are only accessibly by foot. Absolutely spectacular, though. Anyway, we spent about three days up there. There was a Canadian film crew from the Discovery Channel. They're as well making a documentary about these crypto guys. I haven't seen the documentary, but I'm told my car is in the background of most shots. Anyway, in the time I was up there, I saw some weird shit. A tree about as thick as my thigh that had been woven between other trees like lattice. I still have a photo somewhere. Not broken, just woven. A giant footprint in some sand. 
I wear size 12 boots Australian sizes and my foot fit comfortably within it. There was one guy who was kind of hosting the cryptos, claiming he saw the Yowie all the time and had even been leaving food out for it. He claimed that he had set a sound-activated tape recorder under the food bowl one day. The tape contained some footsteps, some rustling, obvious chewing of food, and then more rustling as the covering layers are obviously removed from the recorder and a massive bang. He claimed he found the food bucket smashed to pieces after this. Pretty well everyone in this guy's road claimed to have seen this thing as well. One lady claimed it even came into her house and stole some baby clothes, baby clothes. What the hell does a yaoi want with baby clothes? The only guy who wouldn't say he'd seen it had just bulldozed the 30 meter perimeter around his house. This is in thick bush, turned into scorched earth stuff, put bars on all the ground floor windows, and installed to my count 22 motion activated floodlights around his house. The place was a fortress. He was right at the end of the road, closest to the bush. Several people told us that the NSW police had just finished a stakeout in the area looking for something after a number of people had phoned in terrified sightings. Always wondered if there is some form of UFO I process I could go through to confirm this. After the first night a tree near where we were staying had been demolished, I mean absolutely smashed. This tree was one of those ones that forks out into a double trunk just above the ground. One half of it was just torn to shreds and it was a thick tree. Just huge scraps of wood everywhere. It had been okay the day before. The other trunk was untouched. One night out in the mountains, I was walking back to my car a few hundred meters from the campsite by myself. I'm a skeptic, remember. Nothing to be afraid of. Suddenly everything goes quiet. I mean crickets stop chirping kind of thing. The most irrational terror came over me. I could barely walk and was shaking terribly. I stumbled to my car got in and got the F out of there. I was supposed to go back to the campsite, but every instinct was just screaming at me to get away. Never been that scared. When I told the guy who was hosting us up there, he said he had a similar reaction when he had seen the yaoi and had shit himself in terror. Big chunks taken out of trees everywhere. Hundreds. The locals called them tree bites. The story is the Yowie listens for grubs under the bark and finding them, bites a huge chunk of wood out to get them. These things were sometimes two, three meters off the ground, and each had two parallel gouges along the edges that could conceivably have been big canine teeth. One night camping on a ridge, in the middle of the night we hear a crash in the bush below us, enough to wake several us, then a thump 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 like an elephant running, all the while with crashing like a bulldozer was going through the bush. In the morning there is this path of destruction just torn through the bush in a straight line. Small trees broken, bushes flattened. Imagine taking a one-meter-wide bulldozer and just roaring through thick bushland. I should say I've heard kangaroos crashing through the bush before, and tree kangaroos dropping down from high perches. They kind of just smashed through the foliage on their way down, and this was different. 
Anyway, that's my story. Make of it what you will. I'm still a skeptic, and I don't believe in yaoi's, but a lot of this stuff still freaks me out even now because I can't find good rational explanations. I've also heard numerous yaoi stories since. My story became creepy after the hike, not so much during. It was a mild December day in New England and my then girlfriend and I decided to do a short evening hike at a local state park. An easy trail up to this old stone tower structure. We brought a little weed with us and hung out on top for quite a bit until it started to get dark. We smoked a bit, talked and enjoyed the views. The tower overlooks the trail heading up to it, and as we were up there we noticed someone walking up the trail to the tower. It was a man, dressed in black, just casually making his way up. Now me, being a teenager at the time and a little stoned, glanced to see the man coming to the tower and quickly packed up my stash for discretion. We decided to just start our hike back, as it was near dark anyways. But as we make our way down each of the three or four levels of the tower, we realize we don't see the man. The stone structure is large but open and with many windows, so I kind of look around curiously just to see who had hiked up. No sign of him, and no sign of him around or on the trail either. You can see a good distance in every direction leaving the tower certainly enough to see someone a few seconds after they turned around to leave. He had left somehow, it confused me, but I was also kind of stoned, so we paid no mind to where he went really and just made our way back to the car. Now where it gets creepy is that few months later, I found out that my experience was not unique. I discovered that there were similar stories about a ghostly legend of the state park. I was really interested in the paranormal at the time, and while researching local ghost stories online, I found the story of the man dressed in black. He is sometimes seen near dark walking up to the stone tower, and some claim that if you keep your eyes on him long enough, he'll just disappear. I was flooded with chills when I read about it, and I'm just glad that ghost didn't cross my mind when I saw him. This is my experience dealing with a dogman while working as a Forest Service employee. This is something we're not really supposed to be mentioning, but I'm sure you hear that a lot. But I'm going to go ahead and remain nameless for the sake of this email. I hope you don't mind where to start. Really well, when I first joined, I had not really known of or dealt with a dogman ever. I had heard it in passing through other rangers, but easily dismissed it as a legend of the Midwest, like Bigfoot is to the Pacific Northwest. This is until one evening a couple of years in, I would have my own terrifying standoff with one of these things, and let me tell you, they are far more terrifying than you could ever imagine. I don't recommend going out looking for them, they mean trouble. Fortunately for me, I'm already dealing with a career choice that lets me smack dab in the center of the woodlands where these things are supposed to be living. Yeah, me. So my first encounter with these things was not out in the deep woods like most people would expect. 
but rather on a popular trail that leads along the coast of one of our larger lakes. I was alone, something which I no longer do. I always travel with a partner. The sun had just dropped below the tree line. There would only be about a half hour left until darkness had set in completely. I wanted to ensure that all hikers and bikers were accounted for and home safe before then. I'd probably get my second wind when the sun went down and could keep going for another hour too, but you know how these things go. While cruising through this particular stretch of trail, I saw movement up ahead and under a canopy of overgrown ferns. Now I wasn't really expecting to see anybody for at least another hour and hadn't seen a soul, so this was an eyebrow razor. I stopped and crept up on it slowly, carefully, my hand resting on my rifle. As soon as I got close enough, I realized what the movement had been, a mountain lion. But then I looked closer, and this thing was too big to be a mountain lion. But whatever it was was digging into a fresh deer carcass, ripping through the meat. I could hear the flesh tearing, and so I shone my light on it and ordered it to leave. When I realized this was by no means a mountain lion, this was some sort of really large, freakish-looking dog. Things escalated quite quickly as this creature let out a guttural growl. It sounded like nothing you'd expect from a big old kitty. My heart skipped a beat, and I slowly made my way backwards, trying to radio for help on my walkie-talkie, but of course there was only static. It was dead silent out there, except for that little growl coming from somewhere behind me. It was beginning to get dark out, and I can't really say for certain, but as I made my way faster back towards the main trail, I could have sworn that Big Kitty's eyes glowed a deep red in my flashlight. Even though it wasn't a kitty, it was some crazy dog or something. But I'm just going to refer to it as a giant kitty for the sake of my sanity. My palms were sweaty, my knees all wobbly, when I finally made it back to the main recreation area where the rest of the campers had gathered for an outdoor movie. I must have looked like a ghost because everybody was staring at me with real concerned looks on their faces. Nobody wanted to believe me what I'd seen, but there was that deer carcass, which was almost certainly the mountain lion's kill, right where I'd found it earlier, confirmed by two other rangers who went out there to take care of it after they got my distress call. They said they found large canine tracks all around there. I could hardly sleep that night, thinking just about how close I came to being dinner for one of those things. I've had a few other close calls too and weird stuff, but I'll save it all for another time. Right now I just want to sleep and forget about that thing out in the deep woods. I and my fiancé are both in our car headed to 7-Eleven to get the usual prerequisites that the morning requires. Caffeine, donut, etc. We pull into the parking lot and park in front of the store. We are about to get out when we look at the car next to us. The driver is normal enough, your average looking 20-something Caucasian female, but sitting next to her was something quite odd. 
It was a male Caucasian glasses that looked for the most part like everyone else, except for one major difference. He had short goat-like horns coming out of his head. The horns were gray and fat at the base and got thinner as they got farther from the base. It looked like a baby goat, maybe, just nubs but still obviously horn-like protrusions. We quickly turn our heads to verify with each other if we saw the same thing. A moment later, instead of a horned man sitting there, I see a large collie dog mix. The woman driving, mind you, seems oblivious to all of this and is doing her makeup in her visor mirror. Baffled, we simply pull back out, go home, and take the day off of work. We spent the day napping, and in between naps tried to figure out what we had seen. Either way, it was nuts, the middle of Kansas City, busy parking lot, and we see this very odd thing that everyone around us is obviously unable to pick up on. I don't know if it's a shapeshifter or an entity living in her dog. My lady and I were able to see it, or if it was an all-out fay like modern pan type using glamour to hide his true nature. It was at the 7-Eleven on Gillamardi near Gates BBQ. The human-horned being was wearing eyeglasses, brown hair, and gray little horns. He looked to be in his early to mid-twenties. He was just sitting there looking ahead, watching people go by. The dog was black with a German shepherd or collie-like marking above the eyes. It was wearing a bandana and was also staring straight ahead. I was working as a supervisor in Tampa, Florida at an international trucking company in the late 1990s. A gentleman was brought into my office and was introduced as the new VP of the Southeast Division. I can only remember his first name as Joe. He was very tall, I'm guessing six six feet or taller. My head came up to his shoulder, I was five foot ten, and he was very slender. There was no one else in the office at the time he walked in and looked around. I noticed that he seemed very pale in color, had white hair, wore a white shirt with a brown necktie, and wore a dark gray suit. I walked over to introduce myself. As I told him my name, I held out my hand to shake hands with him. At first touch, his hand was ice cold and his fingers were long and as he grasped my hand, a vibrating electrical shock went from my right hand up to my elbow. We released hands and I glanced up at him. His eyes were dark and he had a slight smirk on his face. It immediately went through my mind that he knew that I knew he was not human. I just slowly walked away and he walked back out onto the dock where the freight was. He never spoke a word the whole time. I was shaken by this occurrence, but I never told anyone. This happening bothered me for many months. I never told anyone for almost twenty years, except that one day my husband and I were watching a television program and the host asked, Have you ever met an alien being? Without thinking I said, Yup, I shook hands with one. As soon as I said it, I got up and went into the kitchen. I couldn't believe I said that out loud. My husband said, What? Why didn't you say anything? And I replied, Because I knew no one would ever believe me.
I never told my husband any more about it and never spoke of it again. Until now, I have always believed in outer space being since I was a child. The only reason I'm telling you is that my health is starting to decline and I feel that I must tell someone. Over the years I've thought of it and how unnerving it was. I'm sorry that I cannot remember the exact date or time. I think it happened in the very late 1990s or very early 2000s. I can't remember the time of year because they have no weather seasons to speak of in Florida. I just remembered that within the next three, four months, it was mentioned that Joe abruptly left the company with no specific reason. That's really all that I can recall from the encounter, but I suspect that something else had occurred, and I'm just not remembering what it was. I decided to come forward and tell you about my early and most encounter. I've never told a soul about this, fearing that I would be rebuffed. My earliest experience was on a November 2014 night at approximately 9 p.m., and I was in my bed watching television. I was 17 years old and living at home with my parents and younger brother in Morgantown, West Virginia. Directly above my bed were three windows with glass panels. The television was to the left of my bed. Suddenly, my attention was drawn to the floor approximately four feet from the desk my television was on. What I saw was a beam of light moving very quickly in small circles in one concentrated spot on my floor. The circle motions it made were not perfect. The best I can describe them as were wobbly circles. The beam was solid, pure solid light, and approximately an inch or less wide. It was very thin. The color was pure white with somewhat of a bluish tinge around the outside of the beam. The beam itself was bright, but did not seem to emit any light beyond its edges. My room was not filled with light, only this beam. I watched the light for about 30 seconds, but I began to feel dread and fled my room in a state of total panic. I was not able to tell exactly which of the three windows the beam was aimed through, but assumed that had it beamed straight into my room onto the wall parallel, it would be 90 degrees. I would estimate that it hit my floor at a diagonal angle of about 60 degrees. When I got downstairs, I looked outside to see any evidence of a craft. I have never to my knowledge witnessed a UFO, and there was none. There were no aircraft of any kind besides high-flying commercial planes. I did not tell anyone in my house about what I had seen. I wasn't sure if my mind was playing tricks on me or what had actually happened, but I saw something. When I checked the area later, there was no evidence whatsoever of the beam having ever touched my floor. Two days later, I witnessed one more anomalous event which I believe may be connected, and this time my younger brother was also a witness. A pitch black figure, which appeared to be two-dimensional, in a very humanoid form quickly passed across a window and wall, which were directly in front of where we were sitting, about twelve feet away. The figure had no discernible features on its face, no clothing and no hair. Just a round head and human-like torso were all we were able to make out. 
It was impossible to make a height estimate. It was for certain inside our house, not a reflection from outside. The sighting of this being lasted about 10 seconds. Then it faded away. There was no logical explanation for what we saw. It was most certainly paranormal. I have seen a figure like that once before, and I am certain it was of the same nature. Recently, August 15, 2023, I witnessed a dark humanoid-like being that I saw flying in the early evening sky around 7.15 p.m. It had large wings that were shaped like a bat. I'd say that it was approximately 150-200 feet above me, gliding westbound very slowly. I reached for my phone, but it suddenly gathered speed and quickly zoomed off. I lived near Chicago, Illinois in Evanston, but the sighting took place while I was at the public storage located at 2050 Green Bay Road. I was with my husband and daughter at the time. Last night, August 20, 2023, my husband and I observed a huge bright cylindrical object in the sky. It streaked above our property while we were in the backyard. The time was approximately 9.40 p.m. It was traveling too fast for a photograph. I found your contact information after searching Google. I then saw and read about the Chicago Mothman sightings. I had never heard anything about these sightings previously. I wonder if this winged humanoid was related to my previous experiences in Morgantown. Wasn't hiking but was camping near the Appalachian Trail when I was a teenager admittedly to go drink on the 4th of July. Lived near the Appalachian Trail my whole life, so knew that it was a ripe spot for meth heads and serious poverty. We had chosen a nice big clearing that was next to a parking lot, but we knew the area well enough to know that it wasn't a very visited spot got a drink somewhere. Woke up in the middle of the night to a low hum of some type of vehicle. Dismissed it as being in the parking lot. Fell back asleep. Next thing you know the ground was shaking. Felt the ground almost compressing. So the car couldn't be more than two, three feet from our tent driving at a slow pace with the headlights off. Naturally thought it was a park ranger, but was too scared to be caught drinking to say anything. So I froze up and just pretended to be asleep. Eventually the car drives by full gas and could hear it go off in the distance, but all of a sudden everything was silent, and I see a lot of flashlights walking past our tents. I dismissed it as how lights can look like a lot of lights when shown through a tent. So thinking it was my friends who gotten out to check what was up with that car, I told them to shut the F lights off. They did all went off at the same time. I then turned over to see the outline of all my friends in their sleeping bags. But since we had one more tent, I wasn't worried. The guys in the other tent the next day then asked us if we had gotten out and drove through the campground last night. We said no. I then asked them if they went to check it out. They in turn said no. They thought it was us just returning to our tents. I then had the most uneasy feeling in the world like I was about to throw up, probably from the copious amounts of barley, but also just frozen in fear.
I live in Belvedere, 14 miles away from Flintville, Tennessee. I was in fourth grade in 1976 when the Flintville monster story came out in the Elk Valley Times. It was about the woman who almost got her child snatched by this creature. As a kid, this was really scary because to me that thing could easily walk 14 miles east to our woods. I was scared to go into the woods. In August 1994, my sister and cousin took a drive up our dead end road when they saw a white creature on two legs walk quickly across the road and started running into the nursery across the road. Not long after my brother was awakened by the dogs barking and saw a huge hairy white shape walk past our glass back door. I mention this because think the white creature in this Kelso, Flintville sighting and my sister's was the same creature. We are only a few miles from the Elk River, and I've heard these Bigfoot creatures follow waterways. I was walking my dog last summer because we'd been driving all day and I wanted my husky to get some energy out before we went home. It was summer in Alaska, so it's not like it was particularly dark, but midnight here is more like twilight. We weren't going off the main trail that laps around a lake because it was a lake, and while she was off-leash doing her thing, I wanted to be on a clear path just in case. There's quite a few homeless camps tucked in the back of the park, but none around the trail, so I assume we'll be fine. There's one part of the trail that's a little more claustrophobic if you're a woman walking alone at night, so I jogged through it to get it over faster. I haven't seen my dog in a while. I don't hear collar jingling or leaves rustling. I assume she lost track of me because I changed my pace. I call out to her. Out of the silence I hear a yelp. I panic. She must be hurt. I assume the worst and I head back toward the small trail to go find my baby. I get ten feet in and she finally runs up to me, super upset and missing her collar. She's a Malamute, my dudes. I can't get her collar off when I'm trying without pushing piles of fur out of the way. I'm not saying someone messed with my dog, but that collar didn't get caught and fall off on its own. I was at the summit of a local mountain when it hit me. I couldn't get back down before dark and I had no light. After climbing back down to the hiking part of the trail, I began to jog. I was making good time when I went down hard, skinning my knee and shin. I got back up in some degree of shock and started again. I finally got to a point in the trail where I realized I would make it out by twilight so I stopped to give my bloody leg some first aid. After washing the injury and treating it with an antiseptic, I got ready to bandage it. On the other side of a row of willows, maybe ten feet away, I heard and saw a huge mountain lion quietly slithering their way back up the mountain. While I was tending my wound, the area was totally silent. That sumbitch must have been watching me for a good five minutes. I can still recall the hair on the back of my neck sticking up and the weird adrenaline taste in my mouth. I haven't hiked without a firearm since. 
Since I was a child, I knew something about this universe and understood it in a way that I could not explain to others. The one who visits me doesn't speak and everything this organism has shown me has made me feel not at odds with mankind. This place is an illusion and it was created in a way by the place they come from. It's done so scientifically and they observe us as energy, frequency and vibration sort of left to its demise. Time for them is different from what we consider time. When I'm there, I've watched half a million years of evolution here in about a year's worth of what we call time. Our universe is held together by these beautiful rods that keep it stable. This alien has explained that everything is a copy of a copy, that their universe was made and they are also watched. I know better than to tell therapists or people what I know I've experienced. At one visit I was able to see how they had created our universe, and it reminded me a lot of what we have as the Large Hadron Collider. Unknown to us, and it will remain unknown for many lifetimes, we never die, our energy comes back here, is that we will also recognize that we have the knowledge to create the universe. But I never get to know if we just observe as they do. They have watched us evolve over millions of years, which to them has been 14, 17 years as far as I can understand. There are gateways here on Earth, but they are often found and then closed. The area I was shown was South America, which had the most prevalent doors. I know I am not separate from anything in this universe, and that they have a different time understanding why we act and do the things we do. To them, it's senseless and almost an embarrassment because they know what we are truly capable of doing. As a 42-year-old female, I don't age, and I don't put effort into not aging. I know the two who came for me gave me this gift, and I know why. I live my life very carefully and have dedicated my time to quantum physics, astrophysics, and healing for mankind. It's all I'm capable of doing as myself at the moment. I'm not the only one, there are a lot of us. We tend to be tall and thin and people are attracted to us by our energy. My blood type is O negative and I descended from them when a few passed through the gates and didn't go back. I wish I had more time to explain things and the beauty in all of life, but I don't. Not here, not now. I'm not crazy, I am not traumatized by them or their visits or my visits. If I could emphasize one thing, it would be that right now we are in an interesting place to make changes and see truths we weren't taught to see. Here it's a thousand years at most, they're a day or two. They do not influence us, but more so pity us because we are capable of doing so much more in our moment. We don't have the ability to see what is real. It is kept from us for a small number of individuals' greedy interests. Even those small percentages cannot see through the illusion that they created. I'm only one person here, there I'm everything and everyone so there is no lie to be sold. They are not very forthcoming about what or where. I get to go once my energy fades elsewhere, but I do believe in the next phase they will be with me and guide me as in this one.
This story dates back to 2009 when I was 45 years old and living in a home I owned in Boca Raton, Florida. I am an educated business professional who enjoys reading about paranormal things but never really had any encounter to speak of. It was early in the afternoon and I had a friend over who was helping out with some electrical work on the second floor. I walked away for a moment down the hall when all of a sudden I heard a voice whisper directly in my ear, you're going to be arrested. I immediately felt weak to my knees and nauseous and got slightly dizzy. It felt as if something or some energy field had traversed right through me. I swear it sounded as if a person had leaned over and spoken right into my ear, but of course no one was there. I had no idea what to make of the message or the experience. I sat in my downstairs office, bewildered by what just occurred. I started to nervously fidget with things and picked up an old ski mask I had lying there. I don't know why, but I shoved a white paper plate into it, drew rather angry eyes in its sockets, and leaned it upright against the wall on my desk, staring at it, but not aware of a reason why I did that. My friend came downstairs, but I didn't mention anything about what had just happened. Frankly, I wouldn't have known how to relate it. Two days later, at about 6 a.m., my doorbell rang. A short young man stood there and said he crashed into my garbage cans, and if I got a hefty bag, he'd clean it up. I was half asleep, not cognizant of how weird this was, and made my way to the garage. I hit the door opener button, the door started to rise, and then I was bum-rushed by a dozen camouflaged men pointing M16 machine guns at me. I was tackled to the ground, handcuffed, and dragged out front. Now wouldn't you know it, all of these guys had on ski masks. In fact, there were about 50 officers from the DEA, FBI, and Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office, all of them masked. It turned out that a particular individual whom I rented a house in another town had been caught making drugs there, and that low life told the cops it was my operation, just to save his own skin. They came to my house thinking they were going to find Pablo Escobar or a Walter White type. I wound up spending a night in jail before anyone could get me out and sort out the mess. All charges were dropped, of course. But I think some angel or otherworldly being saw this coming and tried to warn me, because I didn't have any clue as to what was going on at my rental property, and there certainly was nothing going on in my own life to validate a fear of arrest. Some entity knew it was coming and more or less just told me so. It didn't really help in any way. I will never forget that voice, although it was no one I could recognize. The story takes place in western Massachusetts. Five years ago, I was driving to work bright and early in the morning, and the SUV next to me was in a right-turn-only lane. I was in the straight lane while we were waiting for the light to change. I didn't think much of it or look at the SUV or driver until the light changed, and they also tried going straight. At that point, I looked over as they were basically trying to run me off the road to go straight and veering into me. I was going to honk, but then the middle-aged lady who was driving, 
jerked head to the side, looked right at me, and her whole face morphed into a terrifying face. I don't even know how to describe it. It elongated and looked awful and terrifying, like that scream painting by Edward Munch, but way more terrifying. It's like she decided to show me what she really is, and it changed in a flash. I slammed on my brakes, she or it cut in front of me, and I ended up taking the very next right turn just to get away from her, and parked on the side of the road to catch my breath. I don't do drugs, I sometimes have a couple of beers after work, but nothing crazy. I've never seen anything like this before or after, and I've been too scared to mention it to anyone but my husband for the fear of being called a crazy person. I saw her face change right before my eyes, and to this day absolutely certain of what I saw. The feeling that came over me was just absolute terror, and the look she gave me was certainly menacing. Has anyone else ever experienced anything like that? Instead of a grin, it was an open-mouth expression with a threatening, pissed-off look. But the mouth and entire eye area were black. And the same, an elongated, pointy face that no human could just naturally morph their face to make. Really, really freaky. The color of the face changed. More like a loss of color. Everything around the eyes got really dark and had a big, open, dark, scary mouth. I shake just thinking about that day. I've had way too many experiences that were odd. I just didn't want to include them with the story and sound like a total loon. I had a very, very traumatic childhood. I survived a war, had really terrible things happen to me, and saw horrible things happen to others including seeing children get killed. I was ten when I came to the U.S. as a refugee and spoke no English. I think that trauma made me more sensitive to the spirit world. I get feelings good and bad that something is going to happen, and it does. My husband and my boss call me psychic. People are also always shocked by how well I can just read their minds. I don't try to, I just know what they're trying to say before they even finish saying it. I've also experienced ghosts many times, including one in our last house that my kids and husband are 100% sure of too. He didn't give menacing feelings though and never physically manifested himself. We and even our friends experienced watching the doorknob turn on the front and back door and the doors swing open. He also has a weird thing for oil. Twice, a bottle of oil slowly moved from the back of the counter towards the front until it fell over onto the ground. Both times I had a witness with me who also saw it. I call it him because I work as a real estate paralegal and reviewed the history of the house and found a man named Dana died there young of lung cancer. However, my son, when he was young, swears that a little girl said hello to him in the bathroom there. Things slowed down there and in my new house. There is no activity at all now. When I went to visit my home country, I also went to Turkey and bought these amulets called Nazar. Once I put them in the house, the ghost activity became pretty much non-existent. I'm afraid to experiment with this spiritual sensitivity. I don't want to be bothered by spirits all the time. 
I went to Salem and refused to do any seances or anything that could attach a spirit to me. Years ago, I dated a guy who had a heavy drug and alcohol addiction. It was really sad. He would be the sweetest person ever during the day and then get absolutely hammered and turn into a totally different person. Mean, angry, verbally abusive. The next day he didn't remember any of it. One night I was drunk with him and we were having a great time. We went to bed and it was like a switch was flipped and he was angry and upset and calling me names. He started saying really weird crap like that the Chinese Mafia was after him. He was terrified and deadly serious. I'll never forget how at one point I looked at him and he didn't look like him anymore. It was like his face changed to this creepy jester looking face but not human. I was like WTF? Why is your face different? He responded, Eric isn't here right now. This reminds me of a line you would hear in an exorcist movie. We went to bed and of course the next day he was back to normal and had no idea what he did and said all night because he was blacked out. To this day I think he was possessed and it took over when he was drinking. He also said that one time he was a kid and he went into the woods and tried inviting a demon to possess him and nothing happened. Makes me wonder. I had an experience in an old house I was renting. I basically got a good deal. If I rented it, I would promise to work on it and fix some of the problems. This was a city auctioned hole that had been abandoned for several years and become a local dope house for the homeless. When I looked at it originally, it was infested with fleas. I was wearing a pair of shorts upon entering the backyard, a city public works letter of condemning notice for flea infestation. The landlord was caught off guard as he bought it sight unseen. The city came and fumigated the yard four times wearing suits with oxygen to get rid of the issue. Back to the real story of too many out of that house in just one year. Now a bit on me beforehand, I've been told by a few friends of the secondary nature that I hold a certain light or direction for the spiritual realm. Sort of a beacon either for drawing them near or to warm them. I had to come to grips with that idea in this house, as I write my entire body tingling as every hair on me is standing straight up. Anyway back to the story. I had a couple of friends and roommates over. It was a late night for the fun the night before. Mind you, I had just months prior to this particular incident lost my wife of seven years to lupus. Her pain was real. That is a whole different story for another day. I had been lounging all day in and out of the kitchen. It was now about 6 p.m. in the evening late summer, I'd say August, I believe, L. I was lying on the floor watching TV and suddenly I felt a weight in chest and my arms which were already on my chest, not really crossed but close. The weight pressed on harder for what felt like an eternity. Some say it was anxiety, but mine is different. I feel like I swallowed a softball and it is stuck. 
This was hard dead weight, literally sucking the air right out of me, then suddenly I sit straight something yanked me up him trying to call to my roommate like a night terror. She finally sees me immediately comes to me and my arms won't release, she even tries to slap me to no avail. Then I'm flip flopped over in the prone position, and like you said in the movie, the ring, this dark hair, extremely wire thin and mangled face ripping apart at every fold crawling under me pulling itself straight to my face and leans in so fiercely she lets out this terrifying blood boiling scream and odor like a sewer coming from all over her finally another roommate just getting home heard the scream from outside while getting out of her boyfriend's truck and came running in to help i hadn't spoken this story to anyone for fear of it returning to this day we'll never forget that face. Afterward I immediately called my friend who is gifted, who is one of the people who told me of my gift. I went to explain it as she already knew, and let me know that someone at some time or another had ritualistic Ouija behavior or celebrations. Those so-called toys are not to be used by anyone who isn't experienced. They can bring things unwanted. One night while driving to work on Interstate 75 near Ocala, Florida about two years ago, I watched a bright light come down from the sky, almost like a helicopter, and shined a light right into the cab of my truck. I was very scared. At the same time, a car came speeding past me erratically. It was late, so I couldn't see the car. Instantly, I called a friend to tell her what happened as I was really scared. She told me to pull over and so I did into a gas station. It was about 10 p.m. I parked and tried to regain myself. Then I saw this man pull up right in front of me. He looked like he stepped right out of the 1950s, black everything. Black car wheels, windows, etc. Everything he had on was black. He also wore black sunglasses. I saw him and felt really odd. His presence took my breath away as he looked right at me. I felt very intimidated, and it was almost like no one else saw him. He went into the store and I never got out of my truck. I was too scared. On his way back to his vintage all-black car, he never stopped glaring at me. I could feel it through his glasses. He got in his car and I waited for him to leave, as I didn't want to chance him following me. He disappeared behind the gas station and never came out from the other side. I waited about 30 minutes, nothing, so I left. When I finally got to work, I sat in my truck terrified. It wasn't over. What I'm going to say next is very odd, but I am telling you all what I saw. It was about 11.30 p.m. by then, and I noticed clouds about 200 feet away floating over and landing on the tops of trees parked right in front of me. A literal stone's throw in front of me. I sat and watched, confused to say the least. I didn't notice anyone coming or going while I watched. By the time I got out of my truck over five hours had passed, I had missed work but was in the parking lot. I'll never know, but my face and shirt were soaking wet as if I was in tears the entire time. 
I felt a lot of things that night, but sadness was not one. I haven't really told anyone this in fear it'd happen again, or I would be ridiculed.